And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, he's back. He's back. back. It's Al, baby cakes. Alex, what's up? Back and better than ever, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Al. What's up? You missed so much. You missed so much. I know. I legitimately didn't watch... uh, thunder games when when i was like after surgery so i missed like two games oh man. probably for the best but yeah that's that's overall better for your life <laughs> yeah. right now <laughs> <laughs> but you did you missed out on a lot of king stuff and you got to make up make up for that a little bit i know last night yeah great the uh th- <laughs> thunder, thunder kings game and boy was i rewarded andrew for oh, my for my boy I was, gosh, I just, I just knew, like, I couldn't stop holding my breath, basically, that whole game, right? Well, even now, looking back at the box score, because I wasn't box score watching during the game, but it's shocking that the Thunder were even close. They shot 35.7% from the field. 35 of 98. Mm -hmm. I mean, and honestly, watching the game, the only thing that made me realize in retrospect that they were shooting so bad is how loud the rims were i felt like the rims were so incredibly loud during that game oh really they got them mic'd up every five seconds it's like (laughs) (laughs) because every shot was bouncing off yeah that was that was kind of a brutal game yeah i mean the kings weren't tremendously better they're 41 percent from the field 27 percent from three it was an it was a really ugly ugly basketball game between those two. It was. I mean, and it, and it sucks because Halliburton's going to be out for the season now. Although it sounds like his injury isn't too serious, but it would mm-hmm. it would have been fun to see him. Obviously, it would be fun to see Fox, which maybe we'll see Fox in one of these next two games. There are players on the will. Kings yeah. that could make these games more entertaining to watch. They just weren't Certainly. really out there last night. Yeah. I mean, you have Terrence Davis coming off the bench. He was like one of the only good players for them. I, I legitimately on thirteen shots. I did not know Mo Harkless was on the Kings until last night. Well, I I did <laughs> because I watched a lot of Kings <laughs> for Slam and Jam. Uh, yeah, he's he's been fine for them. He's been kind of a placeholder guy. Yeah. For them. Um, but yeah. He he was fine. Delon Wright really kind of saved the day oh, for, for the sure. Kings over and over again. His stat line is actually pretty great: thirteen points, four blocks, four steals, eight assists, ten boards. I mean, 
that he was he was quite impressive. And then on the other end of that, Marvin Bagley, who has come back, I think this is his third game to play. That dude is horrendous. <laughs> he was so bad. He it was as if he had the thunder in some kind of bet at the end of that game. He ruined about seven possessions at the end of the game for the Kings. I mean, I don't usually look at plus plus minus for individual games and say it means something. The minus 14 for Bagley means everything. That is everything to me. And this was because the, that's what happened out there. And this is the type of game where like if you're a Kings fan, you got to be like, "Okay, Bagley, you're back. You're healthy." Fox and Halliburton are out. You can do whatever you want. Like this should be, and and you're playing a bad team. Like this should be the game where it's an easy twenty and ten. Just go out there and get it. You sh- you should look amazing in this game. He puts up thirteen. No, seven. he. I mean Moses. He couldn't do anything against Moses Brown. He couldn't do anything against Gabriel Deck. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Even Jalen Horde out there was the center at one point, and he did nothing. He took a he took a corner three and bricked it. You got to wonder if they're going to cut their losses with him this summer. I think they will. I think they will because I think you could still get something back for him at this point because yeah. he just has the name and and the fact that he was the second pick overall. I think you could still get something, even if it's not really that much, but. You might be able to get like a pick or a rotation player because I really like the rest of their team. And yeah. he seems to be one of the people that is obviously holding them back other than maybe Luke Walton. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Rashawn Holmes is good. Yeah. I, I like Rashawn Holmes. Last night. Yeah. He's got the floater going. Uh, Buddy Heald was, was not great last night. Five of 16. We really need him to step boards. up these next two games. I know. We need some big buddy games. I, I think I think we can get there. And then also, I just I also just wonder if they'll if they're gonna sit Dort at all. Um Yeah, I mean last night it worked to their advantage. I mean, Dort was that was probably one of his worst games of the season, at least offensively. Uh as, mm-hmm. as, and, and we've talked about this before, but his finishing at the rim in the second half, it happened like within the first five minutes, he had three takes to the rim that were just all bounced out. And they all and mm-hmm. the thing with Dort going to the rim is like they all look fine. Like it's it's not like he's like wild out of control. Like it looks like, oh, this is a good take. This is gonna have a good sh- sh- shot to go in. They just don't 50% of the yeah. time. <laughs> and last night, right. last night, I think in the restricted area, he was one of four. And I just I can't explain it. Yeah, three of sixteen overall, ten points, four assists, four boards. Uh, yeah, still you don't include him. There's maybe some minutes for Charlie Brown in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. which I think certainly helps the Thunder's cause. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I, I'm I'm still skeptical skeptical that they will lose all three of these games to the Kings. It just seems this Kings team oh, is I'm, just not good. They're not going to. They're going to win. They're absolutely going to win. Wait, when I so, tweeted that out, people thought I was jinxing, trying to do a jinx when I said I'm guaranteeing a Thunder win tonight. That's yeah. actually how I felt. That was just that was I, genu- I felt, that was genuine. <laughs> yeah, I felt that way too. 
I thought I saw the the injury report. No Harrison Barnes. Maybe the maybe the Kings get back Harrison Barnes, That'd be great. which would help. Um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, the this Thunder team is going to. I thought they would. I thought they would beat them like handily. I thought it would be ten point win for the Thunder. Yeah, I was but, I was surprised when they got down by so much, and then was feeling great. Yeah, and then of course the Kings almost blow it at the end. <laughs> Gosh, that three from Roby that was in and out. Like, <laughs> Wide really open. good shot. Yeah. Really nice form. Ugh. I thought, I mean, I almost vomited and it, it, into my mask it was like all over myself. The one-two punch of, as that's happening, you're following these two other games. The Cavs, who have a chance to beat the Suns. Who, yeah, who push going it, to OT. Going to overtime. So you're like excited about that. And then the Pistons have a chance to win. And you're like, oh my oh. gosh, this is setting up. What if both of those teams win and the Thunder lose? Like, we're going to be in the third spot or something. And yeah. then it almost flips 180 in a matter of like two minutes. And you're like, oh it no. Really did. Why did I even <laughs> think about that? <laughs> I know. Killian Hayes goes to the line, misses. Those are, I think those were his 12th and 13th free throws of the season. Wow. Uh, as he goes to the line and he he screws it up. Thanks a lot, Killian Hayes. Uh, someone who didn't screw up last night, Gabriel Deck, Gabriel uh, finished Deck. the night. 16 points, three assists, three boards, five of six from the free throw line. He hit his first NBA three last night, Al. Woo. Thoughts on on Deck? Uh, well, first of all, we, can we acknowledge how... I mean, we've talked about this all season. Like, How do we tell if something's real or not? Like, how, how do we judge yeah. these guys? And honestly, yeah. looking back at earlier in the season, it was way easier back then for like multiple reasons. <laughs> like when these players are playing with Shea and we've seen it, like I, I would especially say like Moses Brown, like Moses Brown was significantly better when Shea was on the floor. I don't have the stats to back that up, but just remembering him, like he's still productive, mm-hmm. um, but he mm-hmm. was, he looked significantly better when Shea was out there. And I think that's true for a lot of players because I think Shea makes a lot of players better. We're now mm-hmm. in this stretch where obviously Shea's out. We're watching a truly awful team. And I, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Like it, since, in fact, I have the stat. Since Shea went out, the offensive rating of this team is under 100. It's 99.2. And that's over <laughs> the course of 23 games. So that's a pretty long stretch. And that's yeah. happening in context of a season in which the average offensive rating is the highest it's ever been. So like offenses across the league are playing better than they ever have. And this offense that we've been watching over these last 23 games, last month and a half has been like horrendously awful. So it's like, how do you, Mm -hmm. how do you really judge someone's play? Because early in the season we would talk about like, Oh, you know, this is going to be a tanking team. Somebody has got to score the points. Well, back then, mm-hmm. turns out, like maybe that wasn't accurate because that team was way more functional <laughs> than what we're watching right mm-hmm. now. Now, I think it's like completely relevant because yeah. not only are we watching a much worse team, we're watching a much worse schedule. Like the the second half of the Thunder's schedule, for a variety of reasons, is the the opponents are just so much worse that we're seeing night to night, and so we're just seeing a lot more bad basketball. And so I don't want to get like too excited or too down 
on any player based on this recent stretch. I mean, I'll always remember. Oh, and another factor is like this happens at the end of the season for all teams. Like players put Mm -hmm. up weird stat lines. Teams beat teams that they shouldn't beat. I'll always remember Ramon Sessions. I think he had like a 24 assist game in like an April game. Do you remember that? In his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, he had triple doubles. He was crushing it yeah. for the Bucks. Yeah. yeah, and then next next season he comes in and like everyone's excited about him in fantasy. And it turns out like, oh, he's just he's fine. And so yeah. so I just wanted to set the stage for that. So like I'm trying to be very careful about what I say about players and how they're playing right now. So for deck, good things I would say is that uh it seems like he is very willing and able to get his own shot. He he is not just yeah. out there as a facilitator. You know, he mm-hmm. he is very willing to go in the post and try something on someone, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good because we've had Thunder players in the past who come in and aren't really trying to get their own. And that's probably because, you know, he's older and he's a pro and he's been doing this for a long time. But I think that's good. He's seems to know where he's supposed to be. Um yes. and we saw it last night. There was a, a cool play where he just kind of like slowly moved after like a missed shot into like the side of the lane and then Ty Jerome found him and he just turned out he was like wide open and he just shot up a little floater and it went in. I think that's Mm -hmm. really good. Um, He's held up defensively. Like nothing stuck out dramatically bad on the defensive side. And I think that's something coming, you know, coming overseas, people always worry about like, are these guys going to hold up defensively? I haven't I haven't seen anything that's really like a red flag on that end, which I think is good. And it seems like he can do a little bit of everything. Like he he I mean last night I mean, it was his first three, but you know showing a willingness to shoot threes. He can take it in the post. He seems to be relatively good in transition. Um, he can pass. You know he, he is a good facilitator. So yeah. overall, like I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far. But again, I just don't want to go too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's like pretty good on defense. He plays bigger than he is, which is nice. He's got uh he's really a, a tenacious defender, which I think is really good. I think that if he's going to stick in the league, it's because like I think that will be the primary reason. Uh offensively, yeah, good in transition, knows how to run the lanes, knows where to be. I just question like what is like a six six guy like posting up? Like how sustainable is that? Because that's how he primarily got his points last night. Yeah. See, like he like Mark Jackson, somebody like back them down from the three point line all the way <laughs> to the bucket. Like how many times can you actually do that in the course of an NBA season? Yeah, it's probably not many. And not only that, but like on a good team, like how many of those type of possessions are you giving to a role player? <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah the, the answer is not many so to me it all comes down to the the three and he's got to speed up his release and like how often do 26 year old guys speed up their release like i don't know i don't i don't know the answer he's in that. thunder you now andrew he's about to learn he is he speaks no english none none okay like absolutely zero there was a translator for him. The only one time he's talked to the media so far, they had to have a translator in which you just even lose track of what the question is because you have to tell the translator who tells Deck, and then he the and then he tells the translator, and then the translator tells you. And yeah. then like by the time it gets back to you, you're like, 
Is that what is that what I asked? Like, is that okay? Yeah, that's the right answer. Um, so it's just difficult, but everybody seems to really like him. I think almost everybody was asked about him after the game for the guys who talked, and everybody seems to really like him. It's funny, like <laughs> you talked about like basketball IQ, like the way that it was expressed last night by I think all three Thunder players was he knows how to play basketball. It's like, well, good. He's in the NBA, I hope he knows how to play basketball. <laughs> it's I, really, I would, I would a agree funny way though. To like that's it. honestly probably my biggest takeaway so far. <laughs> <laughs> he would have to because he does not speak enough English to like be able to communicate and like be able to have things explained to him. So he does know how to play basketball. Is there anyone on the team uh, who can can communicate with him that that speaks Spanish? I don't know. I don't know if that's off the top of my head. If any of the players do. I mean, there's we have French like Deck, um, Maladon, Horde speak French. Same with Dort. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think so. Actually, like maybe Poku does, but I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Man, that must be Which tough. Is, it's got to be incredibly difficult. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about how many different languages all these guys can speak. We talk about Svi and. Um, you know, all these guys just, they, it's, it's a, it's a wild bunch. Um, speaking of Svi, Svi, I tweeted this out last night, has 12 dunks so far with the thunder. And in his other like 130 something games in the league, he has, he has 13 total dunks. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is. It's very weird. That was actually going to be one of my uh, most interesting stats of the season. I asked him about it after the game. And I didn't really know how to ask it. So I said, I said the stat, you've had this many dunks here, that you've had this many dunks there. And I was like, well, what's up with that? That's <laughs> <laughs> what I ended up saying to him. And he was like, well, um, and he's like trying to think of an answer for it. And he's like, well, I'm, you know, running and uh, jumping more. Uh, he actually said, like, I'm jumping more. <laughs> it was like something he said. Um, and then he was like, I actually, I have no idea how to answer that. He's like, I don't know. He's like, somehow I'm getting more opportunities to dunk here than I did uh, in in L.A. or in Detroit. He's like, but I don't really know why. Uh, it's just like, OK, that's a that's a fine answer. I I don't know either. I don't understand it either, because when he dunked last night, it was like a like a it was a nice jam, right? Like a yeah. really nice dunk. And the Thunder Bench was rarely audible last night. You didn't hear them very much, but you definitely heard them before he took off, before he even jumped. This team stood up and knew what was going to happen. And it is odd that a guy like that, <laughs> that you know is going to throw down some nasty dunk had like barely dunked before. It's just it's just a really odd thing. It is. And I don't think I mean, I guess the only explanation would be that that was that is probably not the reason why he was drafted by the Lakers. Like they did not draft him mm -hmm. because he was a, a dunker. And so <laughs> and he was going to a team where, you know, he has a clear role. You know, we, we want you to be a shooter. And the same was probably true at his second stop. I mean, this is probably just the first time where he's had a little bit more freedom to be in those positions um, or, yeah. or to be put into those positions. 
And so mm-hmm. that's probably why he's getting a, a few more opportunities. But yeah, it is weird because he looks like super comfortable dunk- dunking. He's like, looks like he's just like a regular good dunker. And, f- yeah. and for that to just like begin randomly, like four years into his career is kind of funny. <laughs> so, so strange. I don't get it, but it's, it's kind of a, a fun little wrinkle there. Uh, okay, let's go to Tankathon real quick. I'll share my screen and we can take a look at Tankathon together. If you are watching on the stream, if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, be sure that you do that and then you can follow along with us. So the Thunder currently sit at fourth. We're climbing, Al. Climbing. They're half a game up on Cleveland and Orlando. They sit half a game back of Minnesota, who is six and four in their last 10. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Uh, and then they sit, um, what is it, two full games back of Detroit, and then they're not catching Houston. So where – I've been asked – I was asked this on Monday, but where do you think the Thunder will end up when it's all said and done? So I believe Minnesota has a game left against Orlando, and I would yeah. I would favor Minnesota in that game. So that would get them to 21. Now – once you get to 21, um, like they, there could be a tie at the end, and, and they just – I forget how they do it. So Minnesota has Memphis, Miami, Orlando, Detroit. Ooh, 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 okay. So that that's great. Uh, if they can just continue winning, like I think if they can win both those games, that puts – Yeah, they, they could get, get to 22. Nice position. Then Denver, Boston, like they could – they could probably beat Boston. Boston's been really bad lately. And then Dallas. Okay, show me. So, if, I mean, if. Let's look at Orlando and Detroit, too. Okay. So. Because, again, as we um, mentioned, I do think the Thunder are going to get to 22 wins. Which, by the way. Yeah, that's We're likely. not going to do it this week because it's not ready yet. But we are going to go over our over-unders from beginning of the season. And if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, OKC is, was 22 and a half. That's how, like, close it is. <laughs> it felt like a it felt like a, like a sure failure. Yeah, it, like five weeks ago, it felt like a foregone conclusion. And for me, it felt like a victory. Or no, I yeah, I took the over. You took the under. Yeah, I took the under. I'm still feeling kind of good about it. Yes, yeah, it comes. I down didn't to feel good games. for a long time. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, so this is Orlando's schedule: Boston, Charlotte, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Atlanta. Than Philly, Philly. That's much tougher. I mean, I guess the one chance is if by that time, by those last two games, if Philly has put some distance between them and the other teams around them, mm-hmm. maybe they'll be sitting someone. But mm-hmm. that would be the only real hope there. Here's De- here's Detroit, Memphis, Philly, Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, Miami. So that, I mean, right now it looks like that comes down to the Chicago and Minnesota games. So Yes, on paper, that's what it looks like. Okay, so if I think Minnesota is going to probably win at least two of those. Oh, yeah, what are the Cavs doing? Cleveland. Cleveland is a gauntlet, man. So they just lost to Phoenix. They have Portland, Dallas, Dallas, Indy. They could probably beat Indy. Indy's not good, even though they beat the Thunder by 57. They're not good. Boston, Washington, Brooklyn. Hmm. This this Brooklyn game could be one where they sit everybody. Yeah. 
And Cleveland is just the right kind of team to just go win. I mean, <laughs> their last game against Brooklyn. Last night, that, that was super impressive. And Colin Sexton's back. Now, Darius Garland was out last night. It would be nice if they yeah. could get their full squad back for a few of these games, which again, I think is in their, I mean, they want that to happen. They still need to see yeah. what these guys look like together. And even if you yeah. only get a few games of it at the end of the season, I still think it's valuable. Okay, so the team, so basically these teams need to get to 22 because we do think that OKC is probably going to win at least one of these Kings games, which would get them to 22. Mm-hmm. And and that is what makes me nervous because I just, I don't know. Looking at those schedules for those other teams, the only team I feel confident about is Minnesota, who needs to win two games to get to 22. Mm-hmm. So in that scenario... Yeah, I, feel, I, feel pretty com- I feel pretty confident about Minnesota getting two. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So right now, I'm starting to feel more like OKC is going to end up at five. Yeah, four or five. Yeah. Which five weeks ago we would have given up a lot of things to end up there to get up to five. Yeah, because if it felt like they were going to end up at eight. Yeah, I mean, you know? the the good news. I don't know if it's that good news, but they're, they're not going to fall lower than six at this point. Yeah. So that's yeah. We at least have a backstop. Um. Yeah. So six is the worst it can be. How does it work when when teams tie though? Because I do feel like there's a high so, possibility that there's going to be some ties. So if they tie, they split the odds. Okay. So that, that, that wouldn't be a horrible outcome. Yeah, it's not a bad outcome. Shouts to Stephen Dolan on that one. Because I I just talked about it as if it were like a real, like a tiebreaker for playoff standings. And that's not how it works. It works. Well, because they used to at do. the bottom. Yeah, because higher up they the do odds. coin flip, right? Yeah. Or at least they used could, to. Yeah, it could. It could. It could turn into a coin flip, yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah. So it's not detrimental to tie. It's not the worst thing. Yeah, you you get equal odds there. So, um, yeah. So the Thunder's upcoming schedule: Golden State, Golden State, both at Chase on Thursday and Saturday, and then Sacramento, Sacramento, Sunday, Tuesday. So perhaps they sit. Guys, second night of a back-to-back on Sunday. They need their rest. In Sacramento. Everybody get some rest. And then maybe Tuesday would be the day that I may circle and say that's the one they'll win in Sacramento. And then they finish with Utah and the Clippers. And if you look, let's look at the standings to see how close Utah and the Clippers are. Because getting the... The one seed should be a priority for Utah. And they're just going to be in lockstep with Phoenix. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a game that they can just throw. And then the Clippers, too. Like, the Clippers don't want to finish. Let's say if the Lakers are in 4-5, the the Clippers don't want to finish fourth, right? I would agree. So... Those aren't necessarily throwaway games for those teams. I think the play-in has made like these throwaway games, which like some teams would have up to like four or five throwaway games, you know, where they're just resting guys for the end of the season. I just don't know what teams would be primed to do that, even in the East. 
Like, I just don't know that there's really any teams that are just going to throw games. Yeah, there's there's not a ton of separation. And I feel like because it's so bunched up at the bottom of the Western Conference with Dallas, L.A., mm -hmm. and Portland, you're not going to be mm -hmm. able to really know what you're supposed to do because right. those positions can change night to night. Yeah, I mean, this could come down to the last. This is great. And this is this is exactly why, and I know there's a lot of people that hate the play-in. This is exactly why they did the play-in was because you get down to these games and before they just didn't matter. Like how many games in, in it's really late April in a normal season, like really mattered. There just weren't that many. There were a few you could circle, but now it's like you look at the schedule for last night, it was playoff implications all over the place. You had Golden State, New Orleans, like that was a big one. You had the Clippers who came down to the wire with Toronto. That was a big one. Milwaukee, Brooklyn is a huge one. Dallas, Miami, that's a big game. The implications for Phoenix, if they blew it against the Cavs, like that meant something. I mean, it's it is wild. And then you go to tonight's games, and like these these games are starting to matter, which is which is great. That's a great thing for the NBA. I know LeBron wants somebody fired, but like you have like these games matter. The Celtics, like they need to beat the Magic. The Trailblazers have to beat the Cavs. And there's, there's pressure on a lot of these teams yeah, and I, to win. I think it's fun, too, because there's so many points of inflection. So there's like the teams trying to get into the play-in. There's the teams jockeying for position in the play-in. And then there's the teams trying to get out of the play-in. Um, so there's so many points where teams like need to win to better their position, um, which I just think is really fun. Because it, it takes you like mm -hmm. way down the standings where it still matters. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I love this, and, especially covering like the whole league now like it's the it's the best because like you don't have to make up content like it's created for you by this drama and with the pelicans it, you know it kind of felt like they were out of it after that first loss to the warriors but then they win last night and if you look at the spurs upcoming schedule like it is brutal they're basically playing every good western conference team so they still have yeah. a shot if the spurs like completely f like the, if the bottom falls out which could just because of the strength of schedule so yeah mm -hmm. it's fun great uh let's go to the stream real quick we have christian in colorado we have the fluky in germany we have trey brown in brooklyn he said let's go let's get a Cavs win tonight god that would be great i'd be elated hoopstock 69 from the moon we have falcon denmark um we have <laughs> xander flame says who's that baby face killer next to andrew <laughs> Tyler Field, uh, I think, says, welcome back, Al. Uh, Trey Witzel, who I believe is in OKC. What's up, Trey? We have Zach Sanford. We have Christian Luer. Um, Tyler Field is in Edmond. We have Josh Morrison in Virginia. He says he's got big deck energy. We have Crimson King and Henrietta. We have Dylan Walker checking in from Neptune, all sorts of planets. Uh, Taylor Craft says, bring back Antonio Daniels. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, he's he said he wanted to come on the show. So I'll have to bring him back on. Uh, let's see. Lots of people. Uh, Yoni welcoming you back. Al from Israel. We have Brushy in Albuquerque. Wow. He's watching with his two-week-old son. Congratulations. It's great. Uh, Jack Thomas in Sydney, Australia. 
Senator Kenator in Nashville. Uh, let's see. Ty Gatewood. Uh, Chaz Stewart from Las Vegas. Brody Berman with a wavy hand. Um, let's see. Jake in Kansas City. Hope everybody's doing well on this Wednesday morning. Paul Chi, who believes in Jamaica. Miguel Devella, as always. Carpet in New York. Nate in Omaha. <clears throat> Jumping Bear in China. Chad Scott in Yukon. Thanks so much for joining. We have Cow Tran in Melbourne. Hope everybody's doing well. And we will be back right after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, before we go to our seven most interesting Thunderstats of the season, I want to wish Michele Barra a happy birthday. What? Happy birthday, Michele. Happy birthday. On Cinco de Mayo. Wow. Man, we have a lot of birthdays coming up. You're in 10 days. I know, it's coming up. Uh, do you want to talk about Shea real quick, though? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Shea. So the Thunder gave an update pregame about Shea, saying, and Mark Degnall said that he has a significant tear. And correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that different than plantar fasciitis, Al? That, that, is, that is my understanding. I mean, plantar fasciitis is, is inflammation, of uh, in that area of the foot and uh you can have you can tear that um and you can have a partial tear you can have a full tear that needs to be repaired um it it was it was interesting that they brought it up then because you know i think in my head i was thinking okay he has plantar fasciitis inflammation of the foot and that takes a while to heal and so that's a perfectly legitimate reason for shay to be out for a long time because We've seen with players in the past with this same injury that it's one of those tricky injuries where you think you can play and then you mm-hmm. come back too early and like with one tweak can immediately like reinflame everything and you're back where you were. So that's kind of how I thought it was going. Saying that it was a significant tear is just um I don't know. I I I would like like more clarification because you would think with a significant tear, I mean, what do we know just from watching him so far? Like he hasn't needed to be in a boot. He hasn't needed to be on crutches. Mm-hmm. He's been jumping around on the sidelines looking, you know, perfectly fine. I mean, he can't play basketball, but he, he's, he's you know, able to move around fine. He's not limping or anything like that or like keeping weight off of that foot. Yep. So it, it's just very confusing and it would be nice to get some additional clarification. I think, you know, long term, it probably doesn't matter. Like he's going to be able to heal from it regardless of what the injury is. He's getting a lot of time off right now. Um, so I'm not really concerned for his future. 
um, his ability to play basketball. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was just a little strange because it was, and it, it was more strange because this has happened before. It happened with Baisley. We were told it was a, a shoulder contusion for the longest time. And and I always thought that was kind of weird. It's like, wow, why is it taking so long for Baisley to get back from something that is basically a bruise? You know, he's a bruised mm-hmm. shoulder. Why is this taking so long? And then it turns out, <laughs> like, right when he gets back, they're like, oh, no, it's a broken scapula. It's like, oh, my gosh, that sounds awful. That's way, that's way different. That sounds, that sounds really painful. Yeah. And so it feels like that's happening again. And I don't really know what the incentive is in not giving like the full details up front. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it either. I, I know that teams have done that. I mean, that was always a thing like uh, in the NFL, but there's like a strategic reason to do that, like to yeah. not give the full details during the week because then your opponent doesn't know if a player is coming back or not. With right. the Thunder, like these guys are out for such an extended period of time. I, I don't think like teams at this point are like oh should we still prepare for Shea like is he coming yeah. back this game so right. I don't really know what the competitive advantage would be to not fully revealing the injury so yeah it's just it's weird and I think if it happened in isolation it would just kind of be like a, a shrug but because it's happening right after the Baisley thing it's just mm-hmm. kind of a strange pattern mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how to explain it I don't either um yeah, I don't either. But had they announced that he had a significant tear in March, uh, I don't we, think we anybody would have, we would have instantly been like, "Oh, okay. Well, he's probably not. He's not coming back this season. He's done." And I just think that also it would save a little bit of like the national media even going like, "Well, you know they, you know they they put you know sh- they put Shay on the shelf for the rest of the season." Right, and yeah. acting like it was like an active choice. And I knew, I, I I, was, you know, I had assumed that it wasn't an active choice that they were making for the rest of the season. I knew it was had to be a significant injury for them to sit him. But it would have just been nice to know what it was from the start, if that's what it was from the start. Or if there was, if he did have just inflammation and then tore it later... You know, I but I don't think that's the case. I think that it has been a significant tear since the beginning, which I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, I'm I'm been racking my brain trying to to figure out an angle for that to make sense. Yeah, and the only thing I could think of was like, if after the <laughs> loss to Indiana, I mean that was that was really like the first time that like the the Thunder tank started to get some real negative national media attention um, yeah like uh, you've heard it from different like individual pockets throughout this past month and a half but that mm-hmm. game losing by 50 or whatever they did that was the first time where there were like multiple accounts on my timeline saying like oh this is embarrassment or whatever or, like what the hell is mm-hmm. going on in okc and you just wonder like if the league at that point was just like hey what, what's really the status of these guys that you're holding out and would that prompt OKC to like give a more detailed explanation of what these injuries are. I don't like that's the only thing I can come up with, and even that does that seems like far fetched. I, I don't really yeah. think the league would care after like that one game. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't know. So it's, it's kind of a mystery to me, to be honest. But 
Regardless, I just don't think he's going to come back for the rest of the season. It just doesn't make any sense. I've been saying that for a while, right? If we got down to like the last two weeks and he hadn't played, it just doesn't make any sense for him to return because it's like a heavy road schedule. Like, it's like what's the point? Like the there's no there's no real benefit to him playing any of these games the rest of the season for anybody, right? I mean, it's not like oh my gosh, right. if he gets yeah. to play against Utah and the Clippers, he's really going to develop into a superstar. Like no. Like, I think that he's got that already coming for him. So, uh, anyways, yeah, that's there was some news, and that's kind of strange. But uh, let's uh, let's move on to our seven most interesting stats of the Thunder season, Al. Okay, um, I don't even know if I have seven. I think I may have more than seven. <laughs> but uh, here come a number of stats. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Seth Part now he did seven most interesting stats for the league this season. And mm-hmm. so I thought I'd bring up the stats. And some of these stats are stats that we've talked about before. But when looking at this season uh, as a whole, these are just the ones that stick out to me as either most interesting or most meaningful. So let's start with the one we've already talked about. We'll, we'll start least interesting to most interesting, uh, which is Svee dunking. You mentioned 12 total with OKC. You got another one last night, 13 in his career previously. I calculated dunks per minute, Andrew. In OKC, one dunk every 49 minutes. He's basically doing one dunk a game. That's pretty good. Previously, one dunk every 180 minutes. That's about three and a half games. So he's really increased his dunks per minute rate. When I originally did that, I did dunks per hour. (laughs) And that was was stupid. They were both like point something. Wow. Um, He's really upped his DPM. He has. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. So that's number seven. Although again, I don't know if I have seven. Uh, number six, Moses Brown. Now, uh, interestingly, when you go on basketball reference versus NBA.com, they calculate total rebound percentage differently, Hmm. but I wanted to look historically. And so I use basketball reference because I was using stat head. Moses Brown, Moses Brown's total rebound percentage, which is the percentage of rebounds that he gets when he is on the court, is 21.5%, which is highest in OKC franchise history. Yeah. You could argue you could argue he's the best rebounder we've ever had, which it's a crazy the, number. Yeah. On the one hand, it is a crazy number. On the other hand, like you start thinking back of the rebounders that we have had, it's basically like Ennis Cantor, and then there's a drop off. Like there weren't a like ton. Russ. Yeah. Like Russ yeah, is probably honestly, number Russ two. Is, right. Yeah, Russ is number is, two. Yeah. yeah. Uh so I went on Stathead and looked at players who have gotten at least 20% of mm-hmm. the rebounds while they're on the court by the age of 21. And it's a, it's a short list. It's only 17 people, and Moses Brown is on that list. And like Andre Drummond is on there three times. Dwight Howard's on there twice. Shaq is on there. Moses Malone. Kevin Love twice. Greg Oden. Rudy Gobert. Like Those are some legit rebounding names, like guys that you mm-hmm. think of as great rebounders. And then there's some random guys, you know, Samuel D'Alembert, <laughs> shout out. One of my favorites. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Greg Samuel Oden is Dallin. on that list. Buck Williams. But it's it's just a very interesting list to be on because yeah. it's definitely the aspect of the his game that you just cannot deny. He, mm-hmm. he, is, he has played enough this season where you cannot deny that Moses Brown is a, a very good rebounder. Perhaps mm-hmm. the best in Thunder history. Yeah. So that is wow. pretty interesting. That um, is interesting. 
Okay, I think I'm going to save this one because this one actually I think is the most interesting. It's not the <laughs> one you would expect. Okay, let's do one that you'll already know. Two. These are two stats about Dort. Two stats mm-hmm. about Dort. Now, obviously, for every negative one, I want to make sure I give a positive one. So the positive one for Dort is that his three-point percentage has stabilized 34.5%. Obviously, we've been talking about this all season, so it may not seem that interesting right now. But I think when you get to the end of the season and you think about the most important stats that came out of this season, Lugans Dort shooting 34.5% from three on over six attempts per game is the most is probably not the most important, but it's probably the second most important because I think some of these Shea stats are more important. Mm-hmm. But it's probably second most important. The fact that Dort has turned into a legitimate three-point shooter. And he started off the season so hot, and then it kind of tanked, and you started to wonder, like, ooh, are we heading back down to 30%? But it really has stabilized. And he's he's going to hover right around 35% for the season, which I just think is a massive accomplishment. It's wonderful. It shows uh, He's going to be a real player. And I still had questions after the bubble. I thought he was really good in the bubble. But I had questions. Can he become a shooter? And if not, then like, what is he on the offensive end when right. the game slows down? And the fact that he can hit threes, and it's not just stand there waiting. Like He relocates for threes a lot. And he hits above the break threes, and he hits threes off the dribble. It's not just someone is out there creating for him, and he's catching and shooting. It's not like... I'm frankly, it's not like Mo Harkless. You know, Mo Harkless has been a standstill three point shooter his whole career. And he's had good seasons, he had bad seasons. And he certainly is not a volume three point shooter for that reason. But um, yeah, I think that that's it. It is. It's huge. It's huge for the Thunder because I think that you can add like an one, like another huge accomplishment with regards to player development. And then a guy that you can say, yeah, we have a, we have upwards of two plus players that we know can play on a good team, which yeah. is a, a really good start. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And so at this point, I think, and the thing that gets you excited is if you look at the breakdown of his of his threes, he's shooting 44% from the corners. And yeah. where he's not been great is above the break. And that's where he's taking a, the majority of his threes. He's shooting mm-hmm. like 32.5% there. So you would imagine on a better team where he is not having to take on such an offensive load like he is right now, he's going to be getting more corner three attempts and mm-hmm. his that percentage is just going to continue to increase as he's just taking yep. a better selection of threes. Mm-hmm. Now, the bad stat for Dort, one we've already talked about, is just his finishing at the rim. 
I think it was like three weeks ago when we first brought this up. I think he was around 52.6% on shots in the restricted area. He's now down to 50.8%. And the only players in the league who are worse than that in the restricted area who take a decent amount, so like more than three shots in the restricted area per game, it's Fred Van Vliet and Derek Rose. Those are basically the only players. DeMarcus, Co- DeMarcus Cousins is down there, but he hasn't played that much. Yeah. Which, which honestly, like a big man shooting under 50% from the restricted area, like unbelievable. He's toast. Yeah. He's toast. But yeah, Derek Rose and Fred Van Vliet, two guys who are having like fine seasons. All three having good seasons. Yeah, but just cannot finish at the rim. And so mm-hmm. obviously that's something we're going to be paying attention to going forward. Let's go to let's do Baisley's most interesting stats next. Now it has turned okay. into less of a uh, numbered order, and now I'm just going by player. <laughs> but I think this would be fourth most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, the positive one for Bays is that he is contesting more threes per game than any player in the league. He's contesting 4.5 threes per game. Interestingly, hmm. Shea is sixth in the league. And Dort is 15th in the league. So three of the top 15 in the league in terms of contested three-point shots are from the Thunder. And I just thought that was interesting because it adds a little bit of context to early on in the season where teams weren't shooting that well from three against the Thunder. Mm -hmm. And we were like, is this a fluke? Is this not a fluke? You know, whether it's a fluke or not... I still don't know, but at least we have some evidence that, well, they're they're doing the work to try to contest these threes. And that seems mm-hmm. to be a, a mandate from, from Coach Degnault's system um, mm-hmm. to go contest these threes. So I thought that was really interesting. And, and I do think, you know, this is only one aspect of defense, but I, I would say that Baisley's defense, similar to last season, is the part of his game that I, I feel most confident in right now. Because okay. um, offensively, I just... If if there is a guy who's like someone has to score the points, I feel like that is Bays right now. Yeah. Cuz he's he's doing a lot and he's driving a lot and he's got a lot of great takes to the rim, but just overall I feel like his offensive game is just still really inefficient. Um and so I I I'm just not super confident in his offensive game yet. I'm still like waiting to see how that shakes out. Whereas I actually yeah. feel pretty good about him defensively long term. I kind of feel the opposite. Really? You feel better about his offense. But what Mm -hmm. is it about his offense? Like, what part of his offense are you confident in? He's gotten much better on the drive and at finishing at the rim. He has. And by the way, he's in in the restricted area, he's shooting 60%. Because I did happen to notice him when I was looking at the other players. It's it's up from, I think he finished 53% last season. So, like, that's improved a lot. I asked him about it last night. He said that he's he said it's really just been he's been working with the coaches all season on how to finish better at the rim. That's something that he's worked on a lot. Uh, And I think the shot will come like the shot doesn't look bad. The three point shot doesn't look bad. There's nothing about it that makes me think, Okay, he's I think it's the maybe perhaps the variety of threes that he's taken this season, but he's not been good from three. But after watching him his rookie season, I'd. I, I still think that that is going to improve, especially whenever if he gets like if the Thunder somehow get like Jalen Suggs and they have Shea and you have like real creators out there because like right right now they're not playing with any creators. He made a three last night and it's because the Kings played Kings defense and that's not playing defense. 
Right. Uh, so I think the three will come. I, I don't know. I just watch him and I think it looks good. Like I just, I've never thought it, he has a bad looking three. So I would, I think the offense will come. I think he's been actually been not as versatile defensively as I thought he would be. Like he gets blown by smaller guards. He's not big enough to guard bigger guys. Like he's can really, he's not that versatile of a defender yet. Um, yeah. I, and I think that, I mean, that versatility will probably come as he as he fills out a little bit more. Yeah, um, I think so too. I mentioned it when he when they played the Sixers. Like seeing him next to Ben Simmons was really wild. Like how yeah. much bigger Ben Simmons is as a human being. He's, yeah, he's still thin. Yeah, even though like his you see him in the off season, and you think, oh my gosh, he's gotten so much bigger. Like he's still really slight. He still has a, a muscle watch preseason coming. Oh, with that, there's going to be big time Bayes muscle watch. Yeah. That's, Bayes, yeah. We'll get a report that like Bayes has added 25 pounds of pure muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Joel Angel checking in from Antarctica, which is very hey, cool. Uh, There's a question for you, Alex. What? It says, rumor has it Alex indeed broke his hand on purpose to not do the King's pods. Can you confirm <laughs> that this is true? <laughs> no. No. I, I, <laughs> if I could take it all back. I would definitely not break my hand. I would definitely not break my left hand. <laughs> God, it I think, sucks. I think you would have really enjoyed Jason Jones's off-pod stories about the Kings. Oh, really? Anyway, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll have to tell you later. Um, and as you alluded to, the bad stat for Bayes, historically bad shooting season. And, and Poku's almost on this list, by the way, but... In terms of players who have taken at least five threes per game, shooting under 30%, there's only 17 guys who have ever done that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of great names on the list. Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose, Kevin Love, Gilbert Arenas, Steph Curry, although that was like in a shortened season last year. Uh, Kobe, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Blake Griffin. And Poku is at 4.5. So Poku, if he comes back, he could get on this list because he is way down there. I mean, he's like at 25%. Um, yeah. again, I don't really care because these guys, they happen to be the youngest on this list. I mean, yeah. Bayes is still 20. He's not even going to turn 21 until this summer. So yep. who cares? Yep. Um, and I'd rather mm-hmm. him shooting the threes and not shooting them, but still interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Next most interesting stat. I think we're down to number three, Andrew, some Shea stats. These are ones we've talked about, but I do think these are probably the most important stats of this season, which one is Shea's drives 25.2 per game, five more than any other player in the league. And the top five for that is Shea, Luca, Trey, De'Aaron Fox, and DeMar DeRozan. That is just that was that has always been the stat from this oh, season that, that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. And then going along with that, the percentage of field goals made that are unassisted, Shea is number one in the league among players who have played like, you know, more than five games. 87.1%. Wow of his field goals made are unassisted. And as a comparison, the top five for that stat is Luca, Chris Paul, Trey Young, James Harden. Like, I think that that stat is just uh, really good to put into context of like the type of player, like the type of game that he has. Yeah. Like, like how important as an alpha player, like he has an alpha game. He, he is, he is the type sure. of guy who's going to be running a team, taking over the team, getting his own shot whenever he needs it. And the fact that he's number one in that stat is, is really impressive. 87.1%. Yeah. That'll come down as they get better players on the team, especially if they get another ball handler. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of lets you know what kind of player he can be. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. So those are my Shea stats. That's I think that was number three. I hope it's it a good number. reminder too. Like we just haven't seen Shea in so long that yeah. I think it's easy to forget how good he's been. And it's been it's been really something. Buy low. Buy low, Andrew. If anyone's selling. <laughs> uh number two most interesting stat. <laughs> Almost done. This one is a team stat, which is the 35.6 three-pointers per game. Um, We wanted this team to shoot threes for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And it started to happen when they got Paul George. Yeah, And those teams shot somewhere between 30 and 32 threes per game. And and that was great. And that was increasing. And then we even saw it in the CP3 year. Um, but the but the stat that like really hammered it home for me was that they're taking or forty point four percent of their shots are three pointers. The next highest in Thunder history was last year at thirty five point three percent. So they've had a significant wow. jump, jumping five percent in terms of the amount of threes that they're taking. And I think this speaks to the type of system that Mark Dignall wants to run. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it just gets me excited. And I know on the one hand, you could say like this is what a lot of bad teams do. To increase their variance, they take more threes. But it does seem like in terms of the guys they're bringing in, it's not just that they're taking threes. They're also identifying shooters, which that's going to be my number one most interesting stat. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I just I think that's a really important stat for what this team is going to be going forward because it is such a dramatic departure from what we were used to in the first era of Thunder basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we're – the like the beautiful basketball that we've admired from teams like the Spurs and the Warriors and teams like that. I think that that's coming for OKC. Yeah. Okay. My most interesting stat of the Thunder season, Andrew. There's two oh of them. Are you excited? So excited. The first stat is about p- pick and roll as a ball handler. Okay. The pick and roll play as a ball handler. Points per possession, best on the team is Ty Jerome. Hmm. 1.14 points per possession as a pick-and-roll ball handler. Shea, who is also very good at that, is at 1.12. Now, let me contextualize that a little bit for you. 1.14, who is that comparable to? Now, these guys are taking way more of these possessions per game. Because Ty right now, is he has about three possessions per game where he is the ball handler in a pick and roll yeah Kawhi Kawhi Leonard 1.14 points per possession pick and roll ball handler Steph Curry 1.14 points per possession pick and roll ball handler I think we have something in Ty Jerome and this is only one of the stats that would prove that because the other and I would say arguably the most interesting stat of the entire season is that Ty Jerome is the having the best high volume shooting season in OKC history arguably so Interesting. No one has taken more shots per game and shot a better percentage from three in OKC history than Ty Jerome. So if you just look Mm. at players who have taken at least five threes per game, he is number one at 41.8% from three. Now you could argue that Gallo's year last year was actually better because he actually took two more threes per game and shot 40.5%. Paul George, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, PG had a great season where he shot 7.7 threes per game and shot 40.1%. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a role player coming off the bench to, one, get up that many threes per game, 
and then to shoot that well on them. Those are th- those two stats are are some of the reasons why of all of these like role players and trying to figure out who's going to matter going forward. Ty Jerome is just a guy that I would like to see more of going forward. I lo- I would like to see him on this team long term, even if it's still in a smaller off the bench role. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we looked at shooters on other teams like this and been like, man, if the Thunder could just get that guy, like they just need one of, like just get one of those guys. And like the closest guy the Thunder have ever had is Alex Abrinas, right? To do this, and he had one of the weirdest NBA careers. So and and this. And the get one of these guys is, keep them. And yeah. the difference is between Ty and someone like Alex Abrinas is it's not just the shooting. And that's why I brought up that pick and roll stat. Like he can yep. do other things and he can do them really well. So if you have really someone passer, like that yeah. who is skilled in multiple areas and oh, by the way, is like a 42% three point shooter. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think he has been for me like the biggest long term find of this team because he's still, I know he's older than, you know, Dort and Bays and Poku. But he's still sure. like in that age range. You know, he's not Kendrick Williams, who's 26 or whatever. He's, I think he's 23. So he's still in the age range with a lot of these young guys. So I think it makes sense for him to be on the team long term. Yeah. And I think that timeline, I really would only worry about timeline with regards to stars. Like I wouldn't worry about timeline with regards True. to role players. True. So I, I just don't think that it matters all that much. You want your stars to grow together certainly and to be on the same timeline but role players come and go and you need to have like a mix and i think that's why it's like totally fine to keep kenridge around for the long haul is because i i think that you you need older guys you need more experienced guys out there uh that can bring it and that can show guys things like things changed a lot when kendrick perkins came here uh, for the better on the defensive end because he had had experience and he was able to show some of those guys the way with regards to just toughness on that end and even like mental toughness, like perk brought a lot of that, uh, which really helped the team take the next step. So if you can already have some of the older guys on your team, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, when I was looking for stats, um, a stat unrelated to this year's team, mm-hmm. I realized how bad Kendrick Perkins turnover percentage was. <laughs> Now he didn't get the ball a lot, so his actual turnover totals weren't that crazy. Yeah. But his turnover percentage when he was in OKC every single year was hovering. Let, let me see. I can look at it real quick. Uh when he joined OKC, okay, 27.5%, 24%, and 28.8%. Meaning, meaning like the percentage of his possessions that ended in a turnover was basically one in four. <laughs> that entire time (laughs) which just in your brain doesn't feel shocking it doesn't and yet it still shocked me (laughs) yeah to see that high of a number because i think his hands were just uh, that bad yeah because isaiah roby he he has a really high turnover percentage and so that's what led me down that road but it wasn't interesting enough to make my list yeah and roby's just trying stuff a lot of well i would argue that perk was trying stuff too andrew (laughs) True, <laughs> true. Roby's is is kind of an interesting offensive player for your like eighth or ninth guy. Yeah, yeah, eighth or ninth guy. I can buy that. Yeah, yeah. That, that I'm, is, I'm more in on him than I was at the beginning of the season. That is what's so hard. 
so many of these players are being put in positions that they're never going to be in likely again when the steam no team starts doubt. adding blue chippers um, yes. which is one of the reasons why i'm high on ty jerome because i actually think his role on this current team is pretty analogous to what it would be on a good thunder team and so yeah. i f- feel like it's easier to project him whereas some of these other players it's like is moses brown really going to be the starting center of the future probably not <laughs> is, is no. isaiah roby going to be the starting center of the future probably not no. and so you would like to see them get extended minutes in the roles that they're eventually going to be in, which obviously can't happen until we get better players. Um, But, but yeah, I I could, I could definitely see that future for him now. Whereas I probably couldn't early in the season. Yeah. He's pretty, he's pretty versatile as an offensive guy. Defensively, it's a mess, but um, you know, whatever. Uh, Okay. Alex episode 1000 of down to dunk is on Friday. Wow. I've already received some emails. If you will continue to send me emails on uh, maybe thoughts on your favorite episode, favorite moments, maybe just leave us a note. I've had very, very, very nice stuff sent already. So dtdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a tweet. Uh, If you have specific moments, somebody sent me a Facebook message through our Down to Dunk Facebook on a specific moment that they thought was very funny. So you can do that as well. So just uh, start sending stuff to us because we're going to just talk um, just a lot of different stuff on Friday about just the podcast and um, how it started and you know some of our favorite moments and such. So really excited about that. Really proud of 1,000 episodes of the show. Uh, so really looking forward to that day. So be sure to tune in. We'll be live on YouTube. For that and uh yeah al anything else before we go don't break your wrist don't break your wrist everybody everybody enjoy your wednesday we'll talk to you guys again on friday As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.